0: and welcome to the heat check podcast the Miami Heralds Miami Heat podcast I'm David Wilson joined as always on the other line by Anthony Chang. how's it going Anthony
1: Good David how are you
0: doing all right um, thinking a lot about Michael Jordan these days I think everyone who is involved in the basketball <laughs> world is yeah I
1: gonna mean, ask a question do you do you think this I mean the documentary was always going to be big right I mean it's been talked about for years now but do you think the fact that there's no sports right oh now, obviously. Yeah, right.
0: I mean... Now was, was, so I yeah. guess what was the, the plan was for it to come out during the finals, I think. Like, it was yeah. going to be, like, one-night game, one-night doc episode, one-night game, like, kind of alternate. So I guess, it like, the ad push would have been pretty big then. Um, but I still think, ultimately, um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously what the... There's no, literally nothing else on it. I think it's, like, they said it's, like, the highest-rated thing that's been on cable since like the quarantine yeah. started pretty much.
1: Yeah, I, honestly even I was a little bit surprised by like I thought I knew people were going to be talking about it, but I was even surprised by like the live tweeting and all yeah,
0: that. Yeah, it felt I, like watching I, a game again.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I, I mean you're even younger than me, but I was I was pretty young during those years and I, I mean not that I wasn't into basketball at the time, but like I was like okay, this is a cool documentary on Michael Jordan, but I I'm not like I don't know. I, it's it's not in, I guess it's not my era, so it's like hard for me to get like as pumped as some of these people are getting. But to see it so excited, like, it kind of shows you how big those teams were, you know?
0: In a weird way, I'm, like, kind of, like, I almost feel like people my age and maybe your age are are sort of in the wheelhouse because they're kind of the the generation that grew up on Michael Jordan. Um, Yeah. Like, Michael Jordan was the first basketball jersey, the first sports jersey I think I owned when I was, like, four years old. Um, Like, Space Jam is, like, a seminal artifact for me. Uh, but I don't really like remember watching him play. Like I'm sure I did a little bit, but it's like I just don't remember like the specifics, basically. And and but I yeah, like, but I understand like, how big a deal he is. Whereas like you know some of these, like I follow a lot of high school kids on Twitter because I cover recruiting, um, yeah. and you know they're all guys who just don't understand the Jordan thing at all. And obviously for them it's going to be the introduction. Um, but in a way like for me. For you, I think it's like just going to be an, all, uh, an awesome way to like learn a little bit more of this story and, and learn a little bit um, more of like the details. Like he he becomes just like the myth of Michael Jordan, where it's like he never missed a game winner. You know, it's like weird to watch old games of him. Like I've watched quite a few old Jordan games over the last couple of weeks and like watch him turn the ball over. Like you're gonna get kind of that side <laughs> of it a little bit too. Yeah,
1: yeah. At this point, it's like he's almost like. Yeah, like people just make up. They they forget the mistakes he made. Yes, yeah. like and it's gonna
0: first, be the same but... way for you know Kobe obviously, and to an extent yeah. LeBron. I mean, I think the 2011 Finals are always gonna be part of LeBron's story. But otherwise, yeah. like it was like when we rewatched the the 2013 Game Six and he misses two of the biggest shots in the game, where he misses those two threes. But then
1: he turn the ball over.
0: Yeah, like but you forget about that because he also hit the big three and he had the crazy run in the fourth quarter. Like. Yeah, you know, it's going to be kind of similar. And, and the, the LeBron documentary one day that comes out, that's like 10 parts like this will probably be similar for a generation. That's uh, 20 years younger than us.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think it's a shame that it has to be like this, but I think you really appreciate a player after they're done playing. Like I could see like in 10 years, once LeBron is like five years post-retirement, uh, it's just gonna be all great like you're gonna remember all like how special he was how unique he was the size the fact he never got hurt just the athleticism like people won't be talking about oh he missed this shot he did this he choked he changed teams like yeah. it, that, all that stuff i feel like once a guy retires like it just kind of gets forgotten almost which is good I mean I think that's the way you should have you kind of remember you're the greatest players of all time you know so but it, for some reason it takes a guy to retire for that to happen
0: yeah, and in this case, they got to retire and 20 years or whatever it's been. Um,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: So we're going to bring on uh, John Crotty, Miami Heat color commentator, in a little bit uh, because he was in the league at the same time as Jordan um, and was on the 97 Heat team that lost to the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals in the middle of Jordan's second three-peat in Chicago. Um, but I guess just like, what did you think of the documentary the first couple episodes?
1: I thought it was, you know, a lot of that stuff. Uh, the first episode was kind of setting things up, I feel like, but the second episode was um, more interesting for sure. Um, but I just, what sticks out to me is the obviously the the kind of the tension between the front office and yeah. the players. Um, but like I, I think imagine if this was happening point, today. Yeah, right. I mean, it'd be all over Twitter. But the thing is, my point is, I think this does happen today, you know, and like it kind of shows you that it's not.
0: You know, like oh, yeah. Stuff
1: like Minnesota, um, this stuff, even with LeBron and Pat Riley, when LeBron was here those final years, you know, LeBron in Cleveland, where him and Dan Gilbert reportedly didn't really get along. That stuff happens, and you kind of – it's kind of cool to see it, kind of an inside view of it, you know, where Scottie Pippen is berating, you know, Jerry Krause on the bus and, and kind of making these petty comments toward him, like, that's – that's that still happens. So I think yeah. that that's the point that I took from it is – this is like this. Just because this was the best team ever, doesn't mean that they were immune from that. And um, obviously, it gets pretty ugly. We haven't even seen probably half of it. So, yeah. I think that's the most for me so far. That has been the most interesting part of the for, you know the documentary.
0: Yeah. It. Um. The one thing I will say is like when I say imagine if this happened today, like the way that the balance of power has swung toward the players, like if this was happening today, Jared Krause would be get fired. Like they would not. So yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf would not be breaking this team up because Jerry like he would be doing everything he could to keep Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen happy, and you figure it out from there. Kind of like the Heat or like the Bulls or the sorry the Calves did with LeBron. Obviously he ended up leaving for the Heat, and weirdly like the Heat are kind of feel like the one team that, and probably it's because of Pat, who obviously is was featured in the documentary and was is a prominent part of the Michael Jordan story as a frequent opponent of Michael Jordan as a coach um, but he's kind of got that old school mentality where like no one is bigger than the team that um, I think Jerry Krause clearly did also um, and in Krause's in the Bulls case it kind of backfired where that team probably breaks up a couple years earlier than they needed to um, and in you know the Heat's case Jord- or LeBron left after a couple years you know even though they kind of did built the team in the image he wanted so it, it just reminds you it's like impossible to like there's no clear path uh to to keeping a team and keeping a dynasty intact what do you think of pat's appearance
1: sure. i thought he looked so pat riley yeah he's like, great in front of the greenery like you know uh, what's the word we, uh, I text you like swaggy. Like he he just, yeah, he just gives off that aura, that Pat Riley aura. Like you could, it was a very, what is it like a five second appearance so far? Like, it yeah. Was so I'm short. sure he'll be
0: in it more as we get to like the next yeah. days and, and maybe they'll touch on that 97 Easter conference finals, even though the bulls kind of steamroll the heat. Um, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Pat Riley. I I do think we might have seen the last of uh, Bill Clinton, former Arkansas governor, though.
1: Former Arkansas governor.
0: And what was Barack Obama? Barack Obama, former Chicago resident. He might pop back up, though, because if you get Obama to talk about Michael Jordan, you're not just using a four-second soundbite or whatever his clip was.
1: Yeah, I agree. Especially since he was, you know, living in Chicago during those. Yeah, exactly. those years, like that's, that's really good. That's a good one to have in the holster for sure <laughs> to, to use during the documentary.
0: I was, uh, I was pretty excited to see, like, and honestly, I would have almost like more of, of Jordan's UNC days. Cause I feel like you just hear about the shot. Like, you know, he's a great, you know, he was national player of the year. He's, you know, still considered one of like the five or so best college players ever. Um, but it feels like so much of his time in college just gets remembered as he was the freshman who hit the game-winning shot in the national championship, and it was like it was kind of interesting to like see Roy Williams talking about him, and um, I don't know, like it, it's such a like lost part of his career that is a big part of why he is has the reputation of a winner. Like it is part. Right. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the Jordan Lebron debate in this episode later, and I'm sure as the weeks go on. Um, but, you know, I think that matters in Jordan's, like, all-time legacy is that he was also a national championship in college and, you know, LeBron got the extra years and, and Jordan was able to come in and be a little bit better right away than, than LeBron was. Like, so they're, they're obviously just, like, the, the NBA career implications of it, but um, yeah, I think... LeBron got in a couple years earlier, but, but Jordan, it's not like he was doing nothing. Like he was winning a national championship and you know, I'm a Syracuse guy. Like it's kind of the same with Carmelo Anthony, where he has a reputation as a guy who can't win, but he did like, he also won a national championship in college. Like it's impossible to ignore that part of um, a player's career.
1: And one, one interesting thing about the documentary that I actually forgot to mention when you, now that you bring up the college days, I thought it was interesting to hear Jordan say when he made that shot, you know, the game winning shot in that championship game, that's when he felt like he went from Mike Jordan to Michael yeah. Jordan. Like it, he, he, you could tell how important that shot, that moment was for him and his kind of confidence, his development, and to you know to the competitor he was. Like mm-hmm. that, hey, that was important. So I, that that kind of didn't surprise me, but I just when I heard that, I was like, "That's pretty. That's pretty interesting." I thought that was uh, an interesting part of the documentary that might, maybe kind of gets overlooked because there was so much stuff. But I thought that was pretty, pretty. Uh,
0: cool what is like your michael jordan connection like do you like i like i said i mean you're in miami that those teams are i mean yeah. i was a wizards fan and they were like not worth paying attention to back then and so i gravitated to michael jordan um where the heat were obviously you know it was alonzo morning was around for a lot of that like when you were young and um tim hart like there were good teams what, just kind of what was your uh relationship like with michael jordan
1: i mean i I vaguely remember watching him play. Like, I think I went to one of those games in that series. I think it might have been game three of uh, that 97 Eastern Conference final series where the heat got mm-hmm. blown out at home. I think I was at that game. Yeah,
0: 93, they got blown out. Or the game three, yeah, they got blown game. out. I'm sorry.
1: I was, I definitely wasn't at the one they won, but I, I just remember them losing. And, but, but, you know, obviously it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was what? I was seven, eight years old at the time. So, very early memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember specifics. I just remember going to the game, and I remember watching him play on and off. I remember hit. I, I actually remember watching that his last shot uh, in that final series against the Jazz. I guess in this season that they're they're documenting in the '97 yeah. '98 season. Um, I remember watching that shot live. I think it was on NBC for some reason.
0: Yeah, I think it was NBC mind. NBA on NBC back then. Yeah.
1: I also I don't know. I think until I went to college, like from middle school to college, I slept. My, like my bedroom was like made my garage they made like a bedroom in there for me like they they, they walled it in and uh-huh. bedroom when my sister was born and i slept under the door of the attic and to, to kind of hide the attic door i had this long like life-size poster of michael jordan that i taped onto the door <laughs> literally would fall asleep
0: staring at michael jordan michael jordan
1: <laughs> yeah so that's another connection weird connection i have with mj
0: I say uh so he obviously came to the Wizards after it's really my only Michael Jordan role, although I did go to college with his daughter technically at, at Syracuse but um we never really crossed paths but um when I I remember going to a game when he was this is I think when he was like just the GM of the Wizards he you know he became team president or GM or something for a year or year and a half before uh he came back to play and I remember going to a game again the Wizards were terrible back then um I just remember like he was sitting courtside and just like looking at him the whole game instead of like paying attention to what was happening on the court. Like he was he was still the main attraction, um, even when there was a, an NBA game going on that ostensibly, I guess, theoretically mattered. But who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's pretty much my only Michael Jordan story beyond like I've have been wearing Space Jam shirts all week. That's that's pretty much the other one. <laughs> so.
1: I actually I actually have a Space Jam shirt. I don't think I've ever worn it. I think I got it last year. And this might push me. Push this you? or, like, the actual Space Jam 2 coming out
0: eventually. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a, a Space Jam Bill Murray jersey. I didn't go with the Michael Jordan one. So that's a, that's a prized awesome. possession.
1: That, that's another connection, but I love that movie. Like, I haven't seen it in so long, but I loved that movie. Yeah. Like, that was
0: one of my favorite movies growing up. yeah. All right. Um, we are joined. We're going to be joined in a couple of minutes here by uh, John Crotty, Miami Heat color commentator, who um, is going to talk about this documentary and talk about what it was like to be in the league at the same time as Michael Jordan. All right. We are joined now by uh, John Crotty, Miami Heat color commentator. Um, obviously, dealing with this uh, in a similar way than a lot of us are, and that's by watching Michael Jordan documentaries and old <laughs> basketball games. John, what have you been up to yeah. these days?
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're all starving for, for content, David uh, Anthony, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'm, I'm missing the call right now. We're being with my partner Eric Reed and, and watching this heat team, which has been, uh, so good all year long. Uh, so, so many great stories with a, a team that's kind of come together from a chemistry perspective. It's a shame that the season has been postponed. I mean, just really would love to see this team be able to, you know, finish and get to the playoffs and be able to, uh, you know, see what they can do and what kind of run they can go
0: on. Are you getting that urge to just, like, call random things like Joe Buck is doing on Twitter with...
2: Uh... <laughs> no, I responded to that. Somebody somebody floated that to me about, uh, you know, calling, uh, you know, different people's uh, love lives and whatnot. And I was <laughs> like, look, man, you know, that's just not in my contract. I can't go that far. All
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so we wanted to have you on uh, for a couple of reasons, but obviously uh, a lot of it to talk about Michael Jordan because you were in the league at the same time as him, um, toward the end of his career, you crossed paths with him in the Eastern conference finals in 1997. Um, I'm sure you watched the documentary. Is that that fair to assume? Yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. I guess. um, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I, I have a history going back further than that with him. So my father actually played at the university of North Carolina. Um, and, um, let's see. He, he was a freshman the year they won the championship mm-hmm. with against wilt uh, chamberlain in like 57 i think it was he was so he was on the freshman team so i i wound up growing up going to the basketball uh, carolina basketball school and seeing dean smith and roy williams was like a young rising coach who was sort of running the camp and yelling at all the kids and everything and i met michael jordan um in 82 after he won the the championship, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with, with the Carolina and made the big shot from the wing. Um, I got to meet him and, you know, was one of my somebody I tracked from that period forward uh, of my life. So it's pretty funny um, and awesome to see obviously what he's achieved and and just kind of reliving those moments. Now, Uh, again, what, what an incredible competitor had that has that talent um, David and Anthony of incredible talent, incredible competitive will, um, you know, with the desire and the work ethic. And it's so rare that you see all three of those, all four of those things kind of put together in one player.
0: So, um, is, what do you remember from him in college meeting him then? Like, was, was he a guy that, I mean, obviously he was, everyone knew he was kind of destined for some sort of greatness. It was hard to know that he was going to be this, but just like. Uh, what, what did you kind of remember from those those first meetings and and tracking the early years of, of uh,
2: you know, we were, it was my brother and I ran into him in the gym. We were shooting around in Carmichael, um, gymnasium, which was the the gym Uh that, um, they, they played in at the time. And he was just, he was very unaffected at the time and just so down to earth. And, um, you know, he made the big shot, but he was still very young and, and, um, uh, you know obviously as time went on he became you know this mega superstar which um you know really it was hard to get to know him from a personal standpoint so i that was my you know my my uh, read was just he was just open and and down to earth and um you know when i first met him and um you know it was just pretty amazing you could tell he had the raw ability but you never know how yeah. far someone to go at that juncture
0: so what do you think? What do you think of the first couple episodes of this?
2: Yeah, I think I think they're do- it's very well done. I think they're doing a great job. Um, you know, and it's just it's fun for me to kind of look back at at, at that you know time of the game too. Um, yeah, and, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, seeing some of the matchups and some of the personalities. Um, you know, the different rules at the time too. I mean, gosh, when I think about some of the rules now with, with Jordan's skill set and his athleticism, if, if, if you didn't allow the hand-checking and the physicality, you know, he's a guy – I saw Jeff Van Gundy talk about him averaging over 40, you know, in today's game if, if you know, they they were able to play with the same, same rules. And I, I, I honestly – I would agree with him because he got to the free throw line all the time drawing fouls, but he was so good getting on top of the basket and then really developed um, – a, um, a jump shot that um, from the mid-range game that was unstoppable. He could get to it any time he wanted, and that's what made him such a clutch player, um, making shots down the stretch.
1: John, what you know, obviously when you entered the league, I guess MJ was already in the middle of his prime. Um, the NBA sports were they really never seen a star like him before. What was that like being in the league? during those days where it was just prime MJ, you know, what was the aura around that team and MJ? I know he talked about it a little bit in the documentary, just how yeah. a lot of their defense was related to kind of the intimidation factor of going up against the, you know, that team and, and him.
2: I would agree, Anthony. I think they had a, I definitely think they had an intimidation factor. Um, and I think he really worked that extremely well. Uh, most guys were, really wanted nothing to do with him in terms of guarding him. I think he had a mental edge on a lot of players. Um, And again, he would, he could, he could really, if you tried to be physical with him, he did a great job of drawing fouls, you know, got in the referees here, made sure he got to the free throw line there. So that backs off those, those guys who try to play him physical, like a John Starks, as an example, who would try to, you know, be super aggressive with him. Um, If he were too, Timid, he would just you know break you down. You, you try to take something away, but the guy had a, a very complete game. Um, you know, people talk about and, and looked at his incredible athleticism, but he was so fundamental. Could dribble with either hand, had the ability to drive and finish at the uh, at the rim, but also could get to his jump shot with a variety of crossovers and um, between the legs. Um, you know, moves to to get rhythm and timing, and became a um, you know an eighty mid eighties free throw shooter uh, to go along with a, you know, an expanding three point shot. Um, So, you know, he's a guy who worked both sides of the floor, right. He might've been uh, he was, he was a two way player before people were were talking about that. And that, that was rare to do uh, as a guard really in the league, right. Versus being a big man who um, how many guards win defensive player of the year. And he did that once he, he did everything there is to do in the game in terms of taking over games making players around him better, averaging over five assists for his career, which to me is insane um, to go along with, you know, averaging over 30 a game. Uh, He was a player, I think, anytime um, I was on a team that played against him, I remember specifically being on a jazz team where we went up, we were over 20 points at half on the Bulls and and we're just putting it on them. I mean, just, um, it was the Delta Center at the time. The fans were going crazy. We were hitting every shot. It was a Stockton Malone-led team. You know, we go into the to the um, halftime feeling really good about ourselves. But, you know, but I'm, I'm looking at Stockton and he's just like, you know, we got another half to go and this isn't over. And sure enough, they never panicked. They kept cracking along and, and wind up catching us at the end of the third. And then Jordan just takes over. You know, they would do that on so many nights. Um, he was able to carry and make plays for that team and, and take them to another level.
0: Yeah, to get ready for this, I, I actually watched a couple of the uh, the 97 Eastern Conference Finals game, because I'm too young to really remember them, and I'm not from Miami, so I wasn't like following them closely, but that was I watched the first two games of that series, and kind of what you were mentioning is like kind of what stood out, where he you know, was yeah. kind of shaky in game one for the first three quarters, and then he goes off in the fourth quarter, and then yeah. game two was like a real slugfest. I think he only had like 20-some points, but has like four steals in the game. It was just... He was finding different ways to to beat you guys in ways that, like, you kind of forget about when you just think of him as like the when you just think of the the shots and the highlights and the the myth. There, you know, he's human, but that is also what made him great is that he he kind of grinded through those those moments of where he was not like impervious. Basically,
2: look, that ninety six ninety seven Heat team was such a, a good team. Um, it was a team that really played extremely well together incredibly well coached. pat riley did an awesome job with our with our group you know we were led by by tim hardaway and his you know incredible confidence and shot making and then just the heart and soul of uh, alonzo morning and how hard he played his intimidation ability defending the rim our defense was so good um the games would get ugly because you know we would make them ugly and, and make it so hard for opposing teams to score but that also that series that we played against the bulls really to me resonated as a player how good they really were defensively you know um when we were trying to run offense out front they had jordan pippen and ron harper switching every pick and roll all of them between six six right and six seven those three guys with great length every time we tried to do anything they'd switch and then the next guy would be standing there and you're you know they were all great athletes and very good defenders, and then they had the ability to close the paint down, and it really just highlighted, you know, Jordan's ability to get everyone on board um, as a leader and play at a super high level, and you know get his team to defend and and, and play nasty too. And um, you know I I thought that really was an impressive defensive series that they played. We. You know, we battled and, and did a great job to get to that point, but we weren't ready to go against, you know, that um, type of jogger not that that Bulls team had put together. I mean, at that point on their way to their, what, their fifth championship, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you – you kind of were in there sporadically during that series. I found one photo of you getting into it with Rodman. Uh, um, I couldn't find the actual play. What do you remember just from being on the court in that series? You ever kind of funny. find yourself yeah. matched up against Jordan or anything?
2: Yeah, that's I, I, funny you said. I have more people tell me they see that on YouTube. It's, you know, <laughs> the typical Rodman thing where he's just such a dirty player. So, you know, he's always, I mean, going back before that, I remember him just trying to cheap shot Malone and, you know, Stockton and give him Charlie horses. And then in our series, he was going after Alonzo and trying to get him to lose his temper and you know, I'm going in for a layup and he tries to hit me right in the groin, you know, with his knee, he leaves with his knee. I mean, it was just like, you know, at that point, the game was was basically over and he's still trying to do that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I boiled over there. It wasn't one of my better moments. Um, (laughs) I would tell you, um, you know, I I think, um, you know, we played, we gutted gutted and and played hard. We had that one win at home Mm -hmm. that I remember we executed and won down the stretch. Coach Riley would always put me in at, at, at different moments to, um, you know, try to uh, execute certain plays. So that was kind of my niche in that particular series, <laughs> um, which was not easy because I was coming in cold a lot. But, um, you know, my memories are playing against those Bulls teams. It was John Paxson really in the first go around and then mm-hmm. Steve Kerr a lot, you know, and Steve yeah. and I are friends to this day. And,
0: the couple oh, of times gets- I saw you check in, they put Steve right in. They're like, oh, this I, I, is – We can let these two match up.
2: So they would run the triangle offense. And, you know, for those of you who don't understand, you know, what that is, it was something that Phil Jackson, you know, really believed in strongly uh, with Tex Winter, who was his assistant coach, who helped inspire him to do it. Basically, it's a motion offense where a lot of people are touching the basketball. Mm -hmm. It's not – it wasn't your typical point guard, handle the ball, wings get off on the side, you know, postman inside – it was, a, it was a shared ball movement type of scenario, and a lot of times what would happen in the coverage is I would be guarding Steve, and then and then there could be a switch situation or a, a screen, and I would get rubbed off on Jordan, and that was always, you know, one of those oh shit moments, you know, where you, you have to respond and uh, not think about who you're guarding, and, you know, my thing with him, with him was always just trying to stay between him and the basket and make, have him make a jump shot, and he was so good that he could back it down and shoot over top of anybody, um, you know, with his amazing athleticism great touch.
1: John, how do you I, – I, they're obviously a very well-rounded team, but how do you think those Bulls teams would have fared in today's NBA? I know it's a different league, more three-point shooting, but how do you think those teams would have adapted to this, To this, you know, today's basketball?
2: I mean, I, that, those – to me, the really good teams in um, in the history of the NBA – would have adapted really well to, to any scenario. Um, you know, that team, um, Anthony, to your point was not a, a center, you know, power game driven team, right? They weren't posting up, uh, Patrick Ewing or Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, you know, this was a very guard perimeter centric team anyway. So I think they would have done very well in today's NBA of, Uh, like I was talking about with the freedom of movement rules where you couldn't, you know, body check them and hand check them and slow them down. You know, they would, they would be scoring at a higher rate. They would draw a lot of fouls and get to the free throw line defensively. They were really, really good um, out on the perimeter and then, and then recovering to the basket. So, um, you know, I think they would would have been pretty darn good. Um, whether it was the '90s
0: or or now, yeah, it's sort of proto small ball where it's like Rodman's the big a lot of times, and guys who could, like you're saying they all switched on the perimeter. And right. I, I hope one of the myths that kind of gets dispelled from like the younger generation from watching this is that like Jordan would have been a good three point shooter. Like he was such a good mid range guy, like. Tell me, he could yeah. have taken a couple of steps further out and if, if they had told him to become one of the better three-point shooters in the league, too. I
2: think so. I mean, I think, you know, I was just looking up before we got on some of the numbers with him, and he was he was like a career 32%, 30 33% yeah. three-point shooter. So, you know, that's not really that good. But, you know, I just don't recall that being – he didn't have to take threes. Yeah. I mean, he was so good getting on the floor where he wanted it to, to go. And at that point there wasn't, you know, the metrics of, Hey, you got to shoot X amount of threes and, you know, three is way better than two. Um, you know, it was just, that's just not the way we played that the idea was get as close to the basket as you can. And what Jordan did to me better than anyone I ever saw. The only one I've seen who's done it as well as him was Kobe, which was get getting to that 15 to 19 foot range range. Um, free-throw line to top of the key anytime they wanted to and shoot a jump shot that where they were balanced and getting a good look at the rim i mean it was it was just amazing it didn't matter what kind of defense was being put on them they could get to that area and, and, and get a really good look not something where they're you know way off balance and flailing around John was
1: was, was, was mJ a trash talker didn't I mean from your experience of sharing the court with him what was it like i mean you know involving him with your
2: interactions with him on the court i really don't i mean he didn't really talk much at all um that was sort of a bit of his um i think the intimidation was he was never humanized you know he was he was kind of like a machine out there um i think uh right. you know he was more it, it was more um if people you know tried to be physical with him he'd you know say something or but he, you know he he, he just didn't have to, and um, he let his game speak for himself, and, um, you know, it was pretty damn good as it is.
1: And the debate that's going to carry sports for the next uh, two months or <laughs> whenever there's a game again, MJ or LeBron, you obviously watch LeBron up close in his heat years, probably his best years, I would say, in my opinion. But comparing the two, who do you think – you know, is the better player? Is it, is it, is it even just, is it just kind of Settle the debate? Yeah, Yeah, settle the debate. Is it, is it, is it, I mean, I mean, it could be as simple as it's hard to pick
2: one. You know, they're so different as far as players, but who do you think? I mean, I think it really is hard to pick. I think I would say Michael Jordan is the best scorer, you know, I've ever seen. I mean, he's just, just a tremendous scorer and that's you know, look, you're, you're talking about, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, you know, Karl Malone, I think, having the top two points ever. But, you know, in terms of being able to, but that's a lot of that's longevity. He, he I mean, he could just score, you know, almost it, it seemed like he would flip the switch and just take it to another level that, you know, I've never seen anybody do. He had a very, very well-rounded skill set. And again, they, they, he wasn't seven feet catching it and laying it in. He was having to do this with, you know, people trapping him, um, stunting all different, um, defenses being thrown at him, uh, as a guard, you know, a lot on the perimeter. Um, I think, you know, I, I, what I like about LeBron's game on the other side is his ability to include others and his size and strength. Uh, you know, it makes him just such a difficult person to guard. Um, you know, um, the other thing that was really interesting to me, um, I just looked again, because it's so different nowadays to, to even the nineties was go back and look at how many games Jordan played out of 82 on his, on his, you know, his career. I mean, he, he, he's playing like every game they, he, there's no, at that era in that era, nobody took games off. Um, and it's a badge of honor to be able to play in all eighty two regular season games. And that's what he did, I think, in all of but two or two of his seasons or three of his seasons where he had two major injuries in two of his years. I mean it's just it's just unbelievable. And I love that. Like I'm old school that way. I respect that. That's when I played. I just you know, it was like you, you show up, you play, that's that's what you're getting paid to do. Um I'm a huge I'm a huge Jordan fan also because of the championships. I mean obviously he's one six championships. He was the MVP of each of those. So obviously he's the main guy. Uh, you know, he, he can't, he never had off days, even if he did, he found a way to impact the game, passing it or defending or doing something to win and to ultimately be the MVP. Um, so, you know, to me, he is the greatest of all time, but I mean, look, if I had to pick, you know, someone to start a franchise with LeBron's right there too. I mean, um, and, and you know something different about LeBron, if I could comment on, um, um, you know, I thought I thought I saw him, you know, in a, in 2011, his first year, he really was reeling. I think from a lot of the fallout from the decision, <clears throat> um, and I thought seeing he, that was the first time I thought in his entire life that he ran into. Sort of the adversity that most of us face at a much younger age um at least athletically is what i'm saying because he went he had to get go through a lot i'm sure um personally to achieve what he did and, and coming from um the background but um he you know was able to overcome that and and then win the championship the following year in 2012 but um that was really unique for me to see him overcome that. And from that point on, the confidence that LeBron had, and he, he obviously went on to play in two more um, finals thereafter, win another championship, and, and take that, that confidence and move on from there. Um, but think about what Jordan did, right? I mean, he goes to six champ finals, and he's the MVP and wins six championships. I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> a break in between right which is crazy yeah yeah that's a true. that's true too i mean having the baseball year off and then what he retired for two seasons before coming back and playing for the wizards
0: and he's pretty good there too
2: yeah yeah but going back to the documentary
1: um when you watch that and you see the kind of the tension between the front office and the players and involving jerry Krause and all that was that i mean you were a player in, in, in that time. Was that common knowledge among players in the NBA, or is that even a surprise to you when you watch kind of the level it got to between the front office and the players, and you know,
2: with that organization? I think it was much more common, Anthony, back then. Um, you know, everything now is so feel good. You know, hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> so much more tension. Um, the money, you know, was not as great, so. Um, the decisions that the front office had to make were, were um, I think in some ways, maybe compounded. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on them, I think, to be um, frugal in some ways with what they're spending. And obviously you can't pay a guy like Jordan, you know, enough and um, the impact that he makes. But I think, you know, from their standpoint, they never wanted a, a player to be greater than, you know, the, the, the team, right. And the, and the management, So there was a lot of tension there. And then I think some of the, excuse me, the, you know, back and forth that would come down from them of, you know, look, we've heard of this new player, Tony Kukoc, who's going to come in and be better than all of you, you know, um, you know, you hear those stories, um, as well. Um, you know, the guys that I, that I know who played on those teams, um, and I know quite a few, um, you know, don't necessarily reference the um, the stories that I've heard from those guys is not really that tension as much as just what a practice was like with Michael Ooh. Jordan. Um, it would be so intense and there would be such a feeling on an off day um, when they were scrimmaging you know of really getting after it and you know that's what it there was no you know relaxation time I mean he, he was he would really fire everybody up and people would be going at it and almost create a, a sense of, you know, angst, um, you know, among within the team and, and to play to the best of their ability. And, you know, I think, you know, that's not easy to endure through a full 82 game season and playoffs. Right. But I mean, it also makes everybody much better and pushes guys because competition, you know, makes everyone better, you know, as long as it doesn't fracture and, and, and uh, you know, overwhelm, um, certain people and, and, and get people greedy. But I think he he had that great ability to push everyone around him too, to be the best they could be.
0: All right. Uh, let's wrap up with some heat talk before we get out of here. Um, obviously there are much more important things, but just how disappointing do you feel like it would be if, if we don't get to see this team get to finish this season yeah, in some capacity? Yeah.
2: David, I mean, I, I still have my fingers crossed that we get a shot to, to complete this season. Um, this has been such a, a fun ride with this group. Um, what a what a great combination of watching Jimmy Butler come in and make the impact that he's made. He he's impressed me with his ability to run the team and be a ball handling point forward type guy. I just mm-hmm. didn't know he had that in his skill set. Um, to see the development of Bam Adebayo and what he's done. I mean, this guy, you know, arguably most improved. Arguably, um, you know, you you could put him. Um, in a lot of different arguments with with you know accolades, just because of, of of how well he's improved in all facets of the game and what a uh, a hard worker and just a good guy. Anthony, can I'm sure attest to that. You know, on the beat and talking to him regularly, just yes. he's just got such a great attitude. He's the kind of player that you know you want to um, have on your team that brings others together, and, and the fans want to root for him. And then these young guys that kind of came out of nowhere right I mean Kendrick nunn what an awesome story coming from the g league and and duncan robinson i mean this is a guy who played division three at one point this is every this is every player's dream to be able to come in and last year was you know just really struggled in his few opportunities to play at this level and and to come in early this year and be able to shoot the ball the way he's done and and be the impact that he's been has just been amazing and then i I incorporate Goran Dragic and his lack of ego going coming off the bench um, and, and what a role he's played with this team still playing at such a high level. Tyler Hero um, and, and the excitement and the ignitability. I mean, there's so many cool storylines with this team, and, and it's been a true team. Um, and, and that's what I love, too, is just the unselfishness that this, this Heat coaching staff has been able – um, to get the, the guys to play with. And, and that's not normal either. And I hope fans of the Heat understand that. It's not normal to see such great ball sharing and, and um, genuinely, genuinely trying to see um, other guys succeed and, and happy for that success. That's pretty unique uh, in this league. Uh, was it safe to say, you,
1: I mean, we all have, our expectations for this heat team and i think we all said oh, probably playoffs but were you even surprised just by the level of success they were able to have with a lot of the like you, guys, like you mentioned a lot of the young guys came from nowhere and they played big roles i was very i was team to jump from i band. can hear
2: myself right a quote-unquote insider <laughs> but i'd be right. lying if i told you um you know i anticipated this team uh to play this well with the personnel they had i mean you know to have to look at a starting lineup where you have, you know, Duncan Robinson and and Kendrick Nunn logging the minutes they have and playing at this level, Um, you know, having Tyler Hero playing a ton of minutes, Dragic off the bench, um, you know, Derek Jones contributing the way he did and and to be able to, you know, basically be in fourth position in the Eastern Conference when things were suspended. Um, It's just unbelievable. It's, it's tremendous. It's It's not unbelievable, but it's tremendous. And it's, it's a, Great tribute to these guys that the Heat find who, you know, to me, have a bit of a um, uh, chip on their shoulder, if you will, to, to be great and, and put the work in. And the Heat provide that framework of coaching and, um, you know, expertise to help guys really develop themselves. And if you have if you come in with the right attitude, you, you can be there, too.
0: Last one before we finish up, uh, totally not basketball. just what have you been doing with your time off? Have you taken up any new hobbies? any new activities? find your way into your rotation?
2: I'll tell you what I've been uh, let's see what have I been doing? I've been reading a few more books, watching um, some different Netflix stuff. Um, listening to some podcasts. I've been getting out doing a little fishing, which I haven't done in a long time. Certainly working out a little bit more than i than I was having more time to do that. so that's been great um so I've, been, I've i've had my two daughters home. one who's taking classes remote and the other one working remote so it's been neat to have that family time too and then you know when we're ready to kill each other we retreat to the other corner of the house you know so it's uh trying to make the best of a, of a tough situation
0: all right john thanks for coming on and uh hopefully we'll get to talk to you about some real basketball maybe sometime soon
2: thanks david anthony thanks for having me guys Thank you, John.
0: Thank you for coming on. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Heat Check Podcast, and thanks again to John Crotty for joining us this week. You can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. NFL draft coverage has taken over the Miami Herald website this week, so I'm chipping in over there. Uh, And you can follow Anthony on Twitter at anthony__chang. He is still monitoring the heat as we navigate these uncertain times. Uh, Thanks again, and we will talk to you guys next week.